Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Rams Nation, what's happening, what's good? It's your boy Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Locked On Rams. It's the Thursday edition, so we got our man, the myth, the legend, Jake Ellenbogen with us from downtown Rams. Jake, welcome in. How you doing, my friend? I'm good, Brad. How are you? Uh, I am good. I got a little extra cup of coffee today, so I'm a little jacked up. And I'm, I'm glad to have you back on the mic. It's been the first couple days this week. Uh, kind of going solo, so it's nice to have you back here always on our either our Wednesday show or Thursday show. Even We've had you for Mock Draft Monday, so uh, any day you're always welcome here, and I love talking football with you. It's been a busy time, so we got a lot to get to today. want to talk a little bit about the most recent former Ram that signed somewhere else, as well as kind of looking at our defense and how it shaped up. You put up a couple really good uh, tweets lately talking about where we stand as a defense, uh, Brandon Staley, and where he kind of uh, looks at this as a defense, and as a lot of pieces are moving out, people are scratching their heads. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. And then stay with us, guys, as next week uh, I'm going to have Cody Rourke on from Lockdown Broncos to come and talk a little bit more about what he saw from Brandon Staley on his end last year in Denver and maybe give another little explanation about what he might be doing here, some inside on the Lockdown side of it as well. So we'll go deep into that topic over the next week or so. Uh, and then just kind of hit Jake and his thoughts on some of the trending topics here in Rams Nation. The logo, uh, Kevin Demoff, Todd Gurley, all the hot stuff that's happened since the last time we talked to you. Uh, so we're going to have a great show today. Guys, don't forget to go hit us up on social media, LA underscore Rambling Bears, my personal. You can find Jake at JK Bogan DTR or at Downtown Rams. Check out the website. Uh, lots of stuff to be talking about right now as everyone seems basically locked inside. So Uh, We've got a lot to talk about. Even though the Rams haven't done a whole lot, there's always something to debate, uh, especially when you open up your Twitter account. So go check us out there, uh, as well as you can find all of our shows on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Himalaya. Hit the subscribe button, share with a friend, leave a five-star review. We always appreciate all your feedback. Uh, But with that, let's just get right into it, because we got a great show for you guys today. Another former Ram signs elsewhere, this time taking less money. I'm Bear Motter of Lockdown Rams. I'm joined by Jake Ellenbogen of Downtown Rams, and this is your lead story. On Wednesday afternoon, Nikel Roby Coleman signed a one-year, $1 million deal with the Philadelphia Eagles. A bargain, in my eyes at least, for a guy who's coming off one of his best seasons as a pro. Jake, after the Los Angeles Rams cut NRC, most likely to save about that $4.5 million that they're getting back, I thought there might be a chance in him returning to L.A. and signing back here, maybe on a cheaper deal to kind of stay in town and hang with the Rams, but that's not the case. He's heading out to Philadelphia, signing with the Eagles. So what are your thoughts? Um, You know, I know we talked about him getting released back in the day. We both were kind of upset about it, but thoughts with signing with the Eagles and kind of losing out and the amount of money that he's taking for the deal. Yeah, I mean, I hate to call anybody out, but what is going on with Nikel Roby Coleman's agent? I mean, like, this guy is arguably the best nickel corner in the league and he gets paid yeah. 1 million at a position that I mean it's a passing league it's a position that is not rare I mean like you are seeing more and more you know teams are running with three corners instead of two 
So I'm I'm like my I, it was such a head scratcher to me because I my mind was blown when I saw the, what the Eagles got him for. It's literally identical to what the Rams got him for to begin with. So I I don't really know if I agree with letting him go. Um, I know the talk has been, well, he doesn't fit what, um, you know, Staley does. Well, first off, we don't know what Staley does. We are assuming he is going to, uh, you know, run the Fangio defense, but um, we don't know for sure. Uh, he's only had one press conference. But aside from that, even if he runs the Fangio defense, uh, five foot nine, Bryce Callahan was the nickel corner for the 2018 Bears uh, with Fangio. Well, you know, he's kind of short, right? He's not right. on the tall side, um, nickel corner. And, uh, you know, just because he, he didn't fit into his uh, defense, according to, uh, you know, some people out there, um, you know, he ended up bringing him with him over to uh, the Broncos. So, <laughs> yeah, head scratcher for sure. And I want to go back to your first point about, you know, NRC's agent and, you know, getting him only a $1 million deal. I also kind of saw from some sources or actually it's John Clark on Twitter who covers the Eagles for NBC. And he is saying that the Eagles also promised Nickel Roby Coleman a starting role. Uh, and that might've been an extra factor in it. But at the same time, if you're getting a million dollars and they're kind of expecting you to come in and start at cornerback and, and really go and do some damage kind of surprising again, it's, it's this one year prove it deal, but uh, I feel like he's proved it over the past couple of years. I mean, he's a top, uh, 20 cornerback in this league is at least in pro football focus eyes. And we go by that. Obviously it's just a, a rough uh, evaluation of, of talent, but at the same time we've seen it here in Los Angeles, the guy puts in work and really was a staple of that secondary for us at that slot corner position. So they don't call him slot God for nothing, but a million bucks, man, it had me going like, really, we couldn't cough up or find a way to renegotiate even before we cut him to say, Hey, look, we're probably going to release you. Uh, you know, test out the market, but, you know, come back to us. We'll maybe match it, that kind of type of communication. Uh, but again, if he's getting a better offer out in Philadelphia, maybe I understand. But you also mentioned Staley's defense and kind of uh, his slot corners over the years when he was with the Bears. And, uh, you know, it is a position that, you know, is going to be needed here in Los Angeles. So maybe there was the case that they feel really good about, you know, maybe David Long Jr. or Darius Williams, I'm assuming Troy Hill's on the other side of Jalen Ramsey. So who do you see sliding into that slot corner role uh, in 2020? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, I think it, more or not, more or less, it, it's going to be either David Long, uh, the third round pick or uh, Darius Williams. I, I think that those are two guys they were willing to, um, you know, I think they were willing to part ways with uh, Nickel Ruby Coleman because of those two. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they split time and then maybe one wins the job. Uh, but those are the two favorites, I would say, for the nickel spot. Um, I wouldn't rule out a different position, uh, like playing the big nickel with, you know, maybe Taylor right. Rapp. Um, I wouldn't rule out something like that either. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it here on the show as well, especially when we've done some of our mock draft Mondays, looking at adding another safety, which w then would kind of give you that opportunity to move Taylor Rappel around a little bit like we saw last year. Uh, the kid can kind of do it all and looks comfortable while doing that, uh, especially when he's in coverage. So 
that might be another good way to look as well as we talked about those two other options. That might be the third option there while then going out and maybe looking at a, a safety in the draft. So uh, interesting stuff. But again, like you said, it kind of had me scratching my head a little bit here as you know, I saw him only sign for a million bucks. Thought it'd be a great deal for the Rams. Uh, they save four and a half million dollars. But if you look at our wallet right now, it's not really showing up big time as far as you know money falling out for the Rams. So they'll have to get creative in the draft is trying to figure out just another hole in this roster to fill. Is it already on the team or they look to the draft to do that? So coming up, we got more with Jake Ellenbogen as we look at where our defense stands as of right now. So we're sticking with the defense today. Jake, last week you put up a tweet, I think it was right after Clay Matthews was cut, and kind of said, here are the projected starters for the Rams as it sits right now. And I kind of want to run through that right now uh, and just kind of get your thoughts on some of this. And we'll kind of talk through some of these positions, uh, maybe that worry us or maybe that we kind of are a little bit higher on than maybe the rest of them are. And then we can maybe talk through a little bit of some guys in the draft that might be able to fill in some of the weaker spots or add some depth and compete right away to start on this roster. But just kind of looking at a breakdown from top to bottom in your eyes and from what you had put up on Twitter, DN Ashawn Robinson, nose tackle, Sebastian Joseph Day. Uh, on the other side of that would be Aaron Donald, no brainer, right? Uh, Leonard Floyd coming in at outside linebacker as well as Oboe Okoronkwo. Uh, interior linebackers would be Traven Howard and Micah Kaiser. Cornerbacks are going to be Jalen Ramsey, Troy Hill. You have that third spot as David Long, as we just kind of talked about. Uh, free safety, Taylor Rapp, and strong safety, John Johnson the third. Uh, as you're looking at that secondary, I feel really good about the secondary, right? I love Aaron Donald up front. In the middle, it starts to get a little big question marks everywhere, right? You can't really say it looks bad right now. You can't really say it looks good right now because a lot of these guys – are unproven as of right now. And then obviously Ashawn Robinson coming over. Can he fill into that role? And Sebastian Joseph Day, can he take those next steps? So when you look at this, and obviously you put this together, um, how do you see this? What makes you feel good? What gives you some worries as you look at that 2020 projected roster? Yeah, so, you know, I think you look at the secondary right off the bat. You, you kind of identify that that is, you know, indeed, um, despite letting go of uh, Nickel Ruby Coleman and pretty much why they got rid of Nickel Ruby Coleman or they felt they needed to is because the secondary is the headline of the defense. Um, you look at the secondary, you have John Johnson, the third who could very well end up playing that uh, free safety um, in Staley's defense. Uh, then you have Taylor Rapp. Um, you know, I think they're, they're missing another safety and I've, I've been fairly open with that um, on multiple podcasts, including um, your own, uh, with, you know, I, I think that Jeremy Chin and, and Kyle Duggar would be perfect fits. Um, but I, I do think they 100% need to address the safety position, at least grab one more since you let uh, Marky right. Christian go. And then, um, you know, the way I look at it as far as linebackers, or sorry, corners, um, you know, I think the corners are extremely deep. Uh, I know that there was a rumor kind of floating out there uh, that, um that the Eagles uh, beat writer uh, with last name Kai, I forget his first name. I think it was Mike um, could be wrong though. Uh, there was a rumor going out there that the Eagles were trying to acquire Josh Reynolds. And in return, they would send the Rams Rasul Douglas, which in my opinion, I think the Rams would yeah. win that trade. And I, I think that is almost kind of overkill, you know, at that point, because, you know, you talk about having Jalen Ramsey and, and Troy Hill guys that I believe are, 
you know, guaranteed starters or they should be guaranteed starters. Obviously, Jalen Ramsey, I think, is the best corner in football. And then you look at Troy Hill and, you know, the the huge, uh, you know, progress that he's made uh, towards, you know, molding himself into a formidable, uh, you know, corner. Uh, but then, you know, you look at uh, David Long Jr., somebody that played well towards the end of the season when he got an opportunity. Darius Williams definitely yeah. played well towards the end of the season, even Dante Dion. And then uh, let's not forget the compensatory, uh, not the compensatory, I keep saying that, um, su- uh, supplemental pick uh, from the draft uh, a year back uh, in Adonis Alexander, the Redskins um, acquired him. So, you know, I, I think they're really depth filled there. If they were to add another piece, I would um, I would love to go out and get uh, Richard Robinson, the former LSU Tiger and, um, you know, somebody that I thought played really good football with the 49ers, had some off the field issues, went to the Jets and then, you know, he got dismissed from the NFL he is now reinstated, so it's an interesting thing there because the Rams won't have to wait until May when the uh, compensatory formula um, runs out. Um, they could just grab him, and it wouldn't affect their comp formula. So, you know, I think that's an, you know that's an opportunity there. Uh, there are some guys in the XFL that I would look at, but really Pierre Desir also would have been a nice option. But really, I look at the cornerback position and the safety position. I'm thinking, hmm, they really just need to add. Uh, a legit safety. They need a legit safety uh, because it, it. I wouldn't start Taylor Rapp um, at free safety. If you're going to play John Johnson at free safety, that's fine. But if you're not, I think he actually fits the Adrian Amos role that he played, uh, you know, with the Bears and Fangio so well. I think he fits that perfectly. So I would, you know, go out and get a free safety in the draft. You know, as far as linebackers concerned, you look at the linebacker room and, you know, it's depth filled, uh, but it's a lot of unproven depth. Right. Um, you know, Troy Reader's somebody that gets a lot of flack, but you can look at it in two ways. You can look at it like he's not a good starter um, or, you know, as people were calling him trash, or you could look at it like, hey, you know, you get that production, you get a UDFA out of Delaware, uh, you know, coming onto the roster, not only making the roster as a UDFA, um, but you know, starting in a few games, uh, to me, I look at that as a plus. I look at that as somebody that can contribute to this team, somebody that coaches rely on. And, uh, I think he's going to, you know, be a nice piece in that room. Um, as well as Kenny young, you know, part of that feeders trade really quick on, on what you're talking about with reader. I think also it's expectation versus reality, right? I mean, this is a, as you mentioned, undrafted rookie free agent who fought his way onto the roster. Uh, through injury, found his way onto the field a little bit more. And people were kind of expecting him to just be like, okay, let's just replace him uh, and and find that A-quality starter. Uh, he's got to get some reps under his belt. He's got to see this live action at the NFL level. So I think he did well. I think he was definitely uh, contributed in, in different ways. He had some uh, one game, I think he led the team in tackle. I think he had like 14 tackles. Uh, the one week where he led the team in tackles, and then the next week he really struggled. So you expect that for a young guy. I think just kind of the expectation of the fan base uh, versus the reality of the situation of a guy getting his first reps. Not everyone's going to walk into the building and hit a home run. So curious to see kind of his development, as you kind of mentioned him there, because he is depth there. And I think a lot of us kind of skip over him because of, uh, you know, seeing the big picture last year and not being overly excited about, you know, the, you know, whole package that he put together but i think there's some definite things to get excited about him so sorry to cut you off there i just want to kind of add a couple pieces um but you're kind of going on uh, i think to mike kaiser or Traven howard 
uh, again, more unproven guys, but opportunity to see more snaps on the field. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, I think that's that's definitely going to help having those guys. But make no mistake, this Rams team can add to that linebacker room. Um, they can add a starter through the draft. I don't think, you know, I, I don't think they're going to replace Micah Kaiser. You know, I don't think they're going to replace him. But, you know, they might not be as sold on Traven Howard. Now, I don't know why you wouldn't. You would be sold more on the guy that didn't play all of last year and, and less on the guy that did play. But, thousand percent. You know, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not part of the coaching staff, and Micah Kaiser already came at me once. So, <laughs> Wait, hold on. Um, you got to explain that because I did see that the other day. Uh, it was just kind of a general thread about maybe even off of this thread that we kind of took this this breakdown from. Uh, but you kind of were just yeah. saying, you know, you're excited, more excited about Traven Howard, and he just kind of jumped in out of nowhere. Is, is that correct, or how would that kind of go down? Yeah, it was weird. Like, you know, I was expecting um, – you know, the one guy on Rams Twitter to to tag him right. and, uh, you know, kind of cause something. But instead, I, I guess Micah was kind of looking up his name and I came across his feed. Um, you know, it, it's funny because like like he came at me like like, um, you know, I, you didn't watch. I, I question how much you watched Virginia tape or right. whatever and all that. And I'm like, you know what? Like, like, that's totally fine. Um you know, I'm I'm never gonna back down from my take if I believe it's correct. Um, I said I I didn't think he was athletic as as uh, his combine you know, show. Traven Howard. Yeah. It, it, well, exactly. And and you know, we've seen in the past where like you know an Obi Melanfonwu, perfect example. Now he's gonna come at me, but um, <laughs> Obi Melanfonwu was like he he was six foot three safety. He ran like a four four at the combine, and everyone fell in love with his numbers, but. He just didn't have the feel for the game and you could see it like there, there were a lot of hesitation and and, you know, false steps. And he went to the Patriots and they couldn't even fix him. Um, so, I mean, it's not to make fun of him. It's just to show you that, look, like guys test well. It doesn't necessarily mean they're going to 100 percent play at that level. And Obi Melanfonwu, he was thinking too much. So he didn't get a chance to really show off that 4-4 speed because he's constantly thinking and is not a very uh, instinctful player. And it showed. Um, so my point with Kaiser was I didn't feel like he played at his testing number. I'm not saying that I think he is bad or he sucks or he's unathletic. I'm saying I don't think he played at his testing number the way, say, Traven Howard does or Corey Littleton. Actually, Corey Littleton, I think he tested better than Littleton, but I, I kept saying Littleton plays harder and plays faster than he did on film. And, and that, that's not just like, you know, oh, my God, what are the odds? It's when, you know, and, and this may not be the case for everyone. I'm not saying Kaiser doesn't have instincts, but guys that are instinct, instinctful, like we don't know what Eddie Jackson ran because he broke his leg and never ran, competed at the combine and then the pro day. He didn't run either, but I'm telling you that guy runs a four, three, you know, game days, right? Like he, he is all instinct. He just like, he's an abnormal player. You just don't get many of them. So, you know, my, my whole thing with that was I wasn't, you know, trashing him per se. I was just saying that, you know, to me, I don't feel he has the athleticism Howard does. Plus, I wasn't in his DMs. It was kind of like we were talking about. I forget yeah. what it was being talked about, but it came up and, and he came in. But I well, the, the only we can thank you. That, you know, we'll, we'll give you a shout out later when, you know, this year he goes and makes his first Pro Bowl and his first year starting. And Jake <laughs> was right there. giving him that chip on the shoulder, making him work. 
you know, that extra length. But I love it because he did kind of jump in and kind of get behind some of his stuff. So, you know, he's got a lot, a whole year of sitting and watching football, which has got to be one of the hardest things as a football player, right? You get drafted, you're excited. He was coming into that season with an eye on being right next to Corey Littleton and kind of helping out that defense and being a big part until he got injured and, you know, season was over. So that's got to be the hardest thing for him. So he seems eager uh, to get back, not shy about, you know, getting behind his talent. So it was kind of fun to kind of see. And, and I guess really quick, because we got maybe a minute here before we get over the next segment. Uh, at the linebacker or down on the D-line, is there a guy at 52 uh, that you think could come in? And he talked about adding depth to that room, but maybe compete, whether that's on that D-line or in that linebacking group. Yeah, I mean, I think you can look at a few guys. Um, Leaky Fotu uh, out of uh, Utah, um, you know, I think is one of them. And then I, I think, um, I don't even know if that's how you pronounce his name. Sounds good so to me. I apologize. No. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, you know, and then I would look at Malik Harrison as well. Um, Harrison's probably my favorite linebacker in that range. I don't know if he'll, you know, he could fall to, to the third round, but um, I think the Rams, they want a linebacker and, you know, watching Patrick Amu soar, uh, go to the jets, <clears throat> you know, I think they're going to need to draft one. So since they're going to need one, I, I think they're going to have to pick one early on. I, I don't think this isn't a draft where like a Blake Cashman falls to the fifth round. Right. This is you're, you're going to have to pull the trigger in the second, third or well, I think fourth's too late. So you'll have to pull it in the second or third with three picks in those two rounds. And we'll see what they end up doing with whether they're trading back, trading up, because there are some guys that could be right on that edge that if they fall on draft day, which we'll see the most unique draft day experience coming up here in April. But maybe they look to go the other direction when we've at least me have been tabbing them going backwards uh, from 52. Maybe they see a guy that's right there. Malik Harrison. Uh, out of Ohio State, played some big time ball. Obviously, when you're playing in the Big Ten at Ohio State, uh, really productive linebacker. So it could be interesting if he's still there. And like you said, and then trying to figure out if you can be at 52. And if you do look to trade back, can you get him at 60? Can you get him at 62? Can you move back a little bit, collect a pick, and still get a guy you like? Maybe, maybe not. It's going to be interesting to see how this all falls. But uh, coming up next, we got more with Jake Ellenbogen. We're going to talk some. Some of the fun things that have been going on here, the trending news, shall you say, and in regards of logos, Demoff, and more. So stick with us. we got more with Jake Ellenbogen right on the other side. All right, we are back. We got Jake Ellenbogen from Downtown Rams. Make sure to give him a follow at Downtown Rams on Twitter. Check out the website, downtownrams.com, the podcast, everything this man is pushing. He's got some content behind it. So give it a look, give it a listen, give it a read. Uh, you can find me at LA underscore Rambling Bear and Lockdown Rams. Send your thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, all that stuff over to us. Uh, but we're going to get into kind of uh, the fun, the third segment, where I kind of go off the cuff and just kind of throw you some stuff. And I haven't since the last time I talked to you, a lot has kind of popped off here. Uh, obviously, we had the release of Todd Gurley. I got a question for you coming up from one of our listeners a little bit later on that. Uh, but want to start here really briefly, because for me personally, when I open up Twitter right now, uh, as we talked a little bit before we started the podcast, it's like one of a, a couple things, right? It's either... Uh, people losing their jobs, which is tough and rough environment we're seeing from everybody right now. Uh, people hating on logos or some random update about the coronavirus. That's like three things that are just swamping my feed right now. But the logo stuff is almost 
it running its course, at least in my book, because people fighting and building campaigns to, you know, signing petitions to get them to change it. I just don't see the, the cause or, or that anything is going to change. But real quick, what are your thoughts on the logo? And at least can we be happy the colors are right? Yeah, I mean, we can be happy the colors are right. Um, you know, I, I don't think the Rams can expect you, the whole fan base to get behind this the way. Yeah, well, you know, I don't think the whole fan base has really gotten behind any logo since it was just a helmet logo and people didn't realize they had a voice. That was going to be a tough so, get to get any, the whole group behind because there was so much. Someone was going to be angry, but I didn't expect it to be, you know, over 50 percent, close to 75 percent of the fans not liking it. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't like it at all. Um, You know, I, I almost wonder if they made the Rams head as pathetic as they did uh, to get me to actually like the L.A. logo. Right, um, right, right. You know, it's like kind of, you know, steer your attention away from like, you know, the L.A. logo and be like, oh, well, the Rams head's awful. So, oh, OK, Um, here here's my problem with the logo. Um, You know, I, I think they absolutely nailed the colors, although can we just talk about how the colors don't match like. So the, <clears throat> they have all the HTML coding and all of that. They they release that yep. soul and then whatever the other one was, uh, which props to them. But then it's like when they show the video of that, like the Rams players getting the, the care package, the hats don't match. The color does not match. The Rams, uh, the Ram head logo is way lighter, uh, a way lighter yellow than the you know the la logo and it's, it's like bizarre it's yeah like how do you you know if if you're you know if you're into branding i mean this this is a, a branding you know guru's nightmare um the biggest thing i have against like the whole logo is it looks as though they were trying to pay homage to 1940 ram uh, the the ram logo here's my problem um if you gave today's resources to the logo designers in 1940. I I mean, there's no way they're coming up with anything that pathetic. First off. Second, the Ram legitimately looks like it's crying. Uh, It looks dead. Like it's lifeless. It looks like our off season in a nutshell, but um, (laughs) too soon, too soon. But I know, right. All it goes to show you though, like when you say, and you know, people will say it's, it's not fair to criticize them. When you say you spent two years doing this and when you put out a video with your graphic guy saying, I looked at this so many times and there was just I I couldn't find anything wrong with it. And then you find everything wrong with it as soon as it drops. It it just kind of goes to show you like you can't you can't pump stuff like that out unless you truly believe it. And maybe they do. And they're they're that like blind. I don't know. I mean, I love this team. I absolutely do. Uh, and I've been very critical, so I know people are starting to question if I'm still a fan. Yeah, of course I'm a fan. Scott Covington started for the Rams. I I watched that game. Like, don't question my fanhood. But anyway, you know, like I, I just look at the logo and I'm like, I, I don't understand. It looks like a, a first grader made the Ram hat. Right. Um, the L.A. logo to me is just it, it looks like a graphic designer's nightmare where things don't match. Things don't align. And then, you know, slowly but surely, I started to kind of like not dig it, but I like started to like, you know, okay, this isn't the worst thing ever. I'm starting to be okay with the L.A. logo. I think the Ram head's the one that's just like, what the hell are you thinking? It's funny because I was the opposite, right? I I, I don't know. I I didn't. I hated the L.A. logo at first and the Ram head was kind of growing on me. And then now I'm like slowly growing 
onto the LA logo and I'm starting to pick apart the Ram head, which is funny because you talked about the multicolors and, and you have the hex colors or the color code um, that represent the, I think it's Ram Royal blue and soul yellow, but then there's all these other colors. Yeah. So I'm really curious to see when the Rams roll out their uniforms and as they roll out multiple uniforms and looking at, I mean, going up to even in our division, you look at the Seahawks when they rebranded a while ago and they had that crazy lime green and everyone's like, and it was just kind of hinted, but now they use it in their jersey at all times. I'm wondering, there's kind of like an orange in that yellow in in the Ramhead logo. And it's like, are they going to try to now, you know, use yellow with like a sunset orange in here? And I just don't know if I'm for it yet. The jerseys are going to be, you know, huge for us. Uh, real quick, I'm going to move you on to Kevin Demoff. We're going to talk briefly about this. And then I got a question from one of our listeners, see if we can get this all in here. But Kevin Demoff trolling with 10 mean tweets uh, thoughts on that? Is that too much? Is he going too far? Like the logo? Is he trying too hard? Should he just let it go? Um, yeah, I mean, he's in a tough spot because he was so interactive during the whole thing that he kind of feels like he has to keep that, you know, interactive nature. Um, right. so I think he, he is going a little too far with that personally. Um, you know, I also kind of feel bad because, you know, somewhere along the lines there are people that really put their heart and soul into this and they right. believed it was legit and i mean i don't believe it's legit at all i think it's a joke but um you know i'm willing to understand that like you know people actually liked this now again like people like bad music people like bad teams like things can be bad that people you know seem to kind of gravitate towards. right so i can't say that like like i honestly feel bad um, even tweeting about it because it just like I know that there's a graphic designer out there that like, <laughs> you know, actually really liked it and just they didn't see the way, you know, we saw like beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. You know? Well, so, and think about it now, too, because everyone is hating on this graphic designer. And now with being in California, you assume that he lives out here in California working for the Rams and he's now safer at home in quarantine, basically. And now he's just sitting by himself and, and watching everyone hate him. So he doesn't even have people to be like, it's all right, buddy. He's just at, you know, it's like that. Um, I, I can't remember what GIF it is where he's like looking out the window and it's, it's pouring down rain. And he's just like staring into nothingness. I think of that because uh, that's probably what the graphic designers like, just kind of being like, everyone hates me. And, and and he probably got hyped up leading into this. Like, dude, you killed it. They picked yours. You're the best. And then all of a sudden the world's like, no, you, that was wrong. That was that was a shame. But I'm with you. I mean, I think Kevin Demoff has to kind of take it lighthearted and, and keep this thing going. But I think at some point you have to kind of quit poking the bear, which right now I feel like he's poking at the the group and basically saying yeah. you'll get over it you haven't seen the whole thing which yes we haven't so maybe as we see the unis everyone will kind of step back a little bit because that's what's going to be represented mostly on the field yes you can stay away from you know buying some of this stuff and now Probably there's what enough, they should have done yeah and now there's enough of you know secondary stuff with all these other logos you can go buy your own created logo if you want and rock that but uh, before we get out of here i got one question from a listener uh this is miguel out in chandler arizona i'm gonna play you the clip and uh tell me what you think hey bear this is miguel from chandler arizona and my question for you is how do the rams just release todd Gurley when the cardinals got deandre hopkins for david johnson just seems ridiculous to me appreciate your input jake what are your thoughts yeah. So, I mean, it's a great question. Like, how the hell did that happen? Well, you know, I'll tell you, it's the same reason the Carolina Panthers had a former MVP franchise quarterback and Super Bowl leading quarterback, Cam Newton, and just right. released him. I mean, here, here's the biggest problem that NFL teams continue 
they, they keep making this one key mistake. Here's the thing. If I'm trading you something, right, why am I trading it to you? Like, the, aren't you going to ask me right. why I would be trading it to you? What is my reason? And it kind of takes away my leverage, right? Because, you know, I'm going up to, to Brad here and I'm like, hey, Brad, you know, like, I really uh, want to trade you this pencil. And I'm like, and yeah, like, everyone wow. and their mom has wrote about it for a week. So I know you're trying to get rid of the pencil. Like that was, I totally agree with it, you because it, right? it was out there. It was known at some point they had to do something. They were either trade or release this guy. And you're right for Atlanta to look to even give up what a fifth, uh, a fourth round pick, whatever it may be, a player, whatever it may be. They're sitting here going, eh, forget that. We're not helping any of your contract help. We're not going to take you know money to kind of, you know, help with this as part of the deal. We're going to wait till you release them. And then we're going to go sign them for what? Five, six million bucks or whatever they did. And we're going to get a good deal. We're not going to have to worry about your problem. Your problem is your problem. Uh, and, and and you're right, Jake, you nailed it. And I, I totally agree. And I kind of jumped in there. But uh, it is kind of annoying because we knew David Johnson was on this, maybe on the fence of they were going to have to do something. But it was pretty quiet, you know. And, and obviously exactly. they, they took advantage really well of – uh, maybe one of the dumbest, you know, fill-in GMs of all time right now, who almost looks like he's trying to sabotage his own team. So when he gets fired, uh, the next person coming in is just going to have nothing to work with, and then he's going to be like, "Ha ha! At least I got to them to the playoffs." Uh, but you know, it- imagine getting outclassed by Steve Kime. Like yeah. I, I can't even, be- I cannot even believe the Cardinals did that. Like the Cardinals were able to transition tag Kenyon Drake and still get DeAndre Hopkins. For David Johnson, who I I keep joking about it, it's the carcass of David Johnson. David Johnson is no longer with us. The okay. David Johnson that had almost 2,000 yards uh, of total offense is gone. You're never getting him back. He broke his hand like twice. He's never healthy. I, I think he played four games last year. It's one of the worst. Honestly, like it, it doesn't shock me with the Rams because they also trade away Robert Quinn for a sixth rounder and they sent him to Miami. And now Robert Quinn just made the same yeah, amount, I believe, exactly. as Dante Fowler. Right. So it, it just kind of goes to show you, you know, they, they continue to make these decisions where, you know, they, they talk about, you know, valuing these players and, and they have no problem trading capital. I've always said this less need over overvalues uh, players. He'll undersell his own, but he'll overvalue others. So like, if you know, the thing is, I love the Jalen Ramsey trade. It goes out shows you like they want the best corner in the league. They're serious and all that. But at the same time, you have to look at it. They give up two first rounders for a guy that literally had all the leverage in the world when Jacksonville had literally no leverage yeah, at all. And they exactly. still somehow got two first rounders. And on top of that, you look over, oh, Quentin Dunbar, he's going to the Seahawks for a fifth rounder. Quentin Dunbar's a stud. Just because he's not a household name, don't think he's not a, a talent. And oh, by the way, Darius Slay, a third rounder and a fifth rounder to the Eagles. Like, how does that make yeah. the trade <laughs> right. for Jalen Ramsey look? It was timing, and uh, obviously the Jaguars took advantage of that midseason Rams going for it, trying to shake things up. And uh, you're right, the leverage wasn't there, and somehow we still ended up giving up those two. But uh, going back to this DeAndre Hopkins, this is the first time uh, in a long time that a three-time, three years in a row, the last three years, uh, he's been an all-pro wide receiver that that an all-pro has left for another team. The only other time that it happened was Jim Brown, and he retired. So this has never happened that a three-time all-pro guy has switched teams 
uh, in the offseason. So kind of unprecedented stuff. And yeah, if you're looking at Arizona, welcome to the division. They got a lot better. Young quarterback. Uh, they got a, a running back that they now love with David Johnson out of town. So uh, real quick, last question. And this goes back to TG. We didn't get to talk about him too much, but I want to leave here with Todd Gurley. Um, all-purpose yards in Atlanta, over 1,000? Yes or no? Oh, easily. He had he had over 1,000 this year. Just wasn't sure what you thought about new new place, uh, same knee, different situation. Uh, and then I guess the other question. I can't wait for him to go over 1,000 I know, yards. me too. I, I literally cannot wait for it. He's going to have seven rushing touchdowns, and he's going to go over 1,000 yards rushing. I, I'm telling you right I'm now. I'm with you. And and I'm going to get him in like the ninth round of my fantasy league. Yep. And everyone's like, oh, he's a bum. And I'm going to be there and they're going to be like, oh, now you pick him because I passed on him last year, the last couple of years. So I didn't want to jinx him, but now he's on a different roster. I'll pick him up. I, I love it. I think a lot of fans here, the one thing I love about TG, I think a lot of people are like, oh, he's, he's whiny, he's crybabies, you know, a lot of attitude. But for the most part, I think most of Rams Nation misses him already, wishing him best of luck. I think me and you are on that page because, uh, I love me some TG and I hope he does well down in Atlanta and, and maybe there's an opportunity at some point, uh, whether it's, you know, in the coming years, he gets to come back to the stadium, which we thought he was going to help open it up and get to perform here in Los Angeles. That'd be pretty cool. So we'll see how it shakes out. But Jake, man, I appreciate it. Fun episode. We covered a lot here. Look forward to our next conversation. Tomorrow, I've got Isaiah Hole from Lockdown Wolverines. We're going to kind of look at a couple draft prospects coming out of Michigan that might line up at 52. I know me and Jake love Uche there, but there's a couple Uche. other guys in the later rounds. I'm going to talk with him about it and kind of get us prepped and ready for our mock draft Monday uh, coming up next week. So look forward to that show tomorrow. Jake, my man, take it easy. I appreciate you coming on and look forward to talking to you next time. You too, Brad. Two things. One, they better not ruin the helmet. And two, Todd Gurley played more seasons than Eric Dickerson. Woo! Yeah, and Eric Dickerson out here trying to say he's going to talk to the Rams for yep, us. I appreciate yep, it. Exactly. PD. I'm glad you, you saw well, where I was going with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can you can park that right now. I appreciate you, but I, I ain't buying it. I don't think the Rams really care that you are around. I mean, it wasn't just Jeff Fisher that wasn't allowing you in the organization. So I, I'm whatever. That's a whole different story. But I'm glad you brought that up. And you're right. Don't mess up the helmets, Les Need. Got to get that right. Uh, or else, Kemba Demoff, you are going to be in big, big trouble. It's an organizational thing, and maybe the graphic designer will have an opportunity to come back out of his room and, and be celebrated a little bit. But with that said, Rams Nation, you know what it is. Until next time, peace.